Thanks for listening to iTruths, the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church of Texarkana, Texas. I'm Richard Hornock, the senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church, and the following is a message that I delivered during one of our Sunday morning worship services. I trust that it will be beneficial to your walk with Jesus Christ. Thanks again. You know, I, I love Christmas Eve. I love Christmas, but I really like Christmas Eve because you know what Christmas Eve marks? The end of the work, okay? <laughs> you know, it's like there's such a huge lead up to Christmas and there's a lot of work and, you know, uh, in my mind and uh, occupation, it ain't over till Christmas Eve, you know, unless Christmas is on a Sunday. So, uh, you know, it's just nice because... You know, the, the, the retailers do us a, a, a wonderful uh, service by closing, and it's like, if you hadn't bought it yet, it ain't going to be bought, you know. And so, uh, you know, by the way, I forgot my clicker. You know, it's a holiday weekend. I'm not on the task here. Can someone run that up to me? But, uh, you know, I just don't, uh, you know, it's nice. It's nice to finally get to Christmas and think about what all of this stuff is about. Uh, But here's the reality, isn't it? Uh, After Christmas is over, and after you put away all the decorations, things kind of go back to normal. And for us, we know that actually the normal, the new normal, isn't a normal that we really like all that much. You know, I mean, good grief, there's going to be an election next year. I mean, I don't know anyone that's looking forward to that because the last several elections haven't been all that wonderful. And they've been kind of nasty and divisive. And, you know, the economy is in the pot. You know, it's terrible. And, uh, you know, so financially you're looking out and you're saying, is there any hope, is there any future or whatever? And and just culturally, I mean, my goodness, how have things changed in the last four, five, six years? And so it's nice to get to Christmas because you don't have to think about those things. But they've just, all of Christmas has just kind of eclipsed what we are supposed to be thinking about and the reality that we're living in. And, uh, you know, you can... You can put a lot of labels on it, but in a way, it's kind of scary, or it's troubling what's going on. And, you know, I just was, as I was thinking about it, I thought, what, what is there in the Christmas story that I can help us think, maybe a little bit more uh, biblically, about this scary time that we're living in, this troubling time? And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 1 and 2. And you guys know the Christmas stories really well. And so I'm going to assume you know it. But I just want to point out a few things for you. And we're just going to take a real quick look at uh, four of the different characters that are in the Christmas story. You know, here's the first one. It's a guy named Zacharias. Everybody remembers who Zacharias is, don't you? Zacharias, I'll just help you out. Zacharias was John the Baptist's father. Now, get this. 
Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth are just godly, godly, godly people. Longed for a child, but God never gave him a child. He was a priest out kind of a ways away from Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, he and his wife just longed for that child, but God just never gave him that child. And here they were. They were well past the age of childbearing. And, and uh, he gets to go to the temple and actually perform the temple work there. I mean, this would be like me getting to go to Austin and pray at the governor's inauguration or maybe go to Washington and pray at the opening of Congress or something. I mean, it's like he's just this little guy out in this little town, and he finally gets to go do it. But, you know, here he is in the middle of his, his uh of his career, and, and you know, he and his wife kind of have this personal loss that uh, they never had a child. They always wanted a child, and here he has on his big day, this, this day that he's getting to go in and do the work in the temple, you know, uh, he's excited, but he's a little nervous. You know, I prayed in front of a lot of people and all that, but good grief, if I went and got to pray in front of all the senators and the congressmen and all that stuff, I'd be a little nervous. And so he's a little nervous, a little uncertain. And what does he do? He goes in the temple, and people are waiting outside for him. And what happens? You know the story. Gabriel, the angel, is there, and he appears to him. And what happens? Zacharias, look at verse 12. Luke 1, verse 12. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw this angel, Gabriel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. And I'll just stop right there and just finish telling you the story. I mean, God gave them a child, and that child was John the Baptist, the one that had been predicted in in Isaiah 40 and Malachi 4. I mean, and he was the forerunner, the introducer, if you will, of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. God answered their prayers and gave it to them. That's the first example. Skip over a little bit further in the chapter. Mary. Look what happened with Mary. Now, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, who was of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail! favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly, and look at that word, troubled. Wow, look back at verse 12. Zacharias was troubled. She's troubled. And what was she really troubled about? Not just that she saw this angel. I'm sure that was kind of frightening, but she was troubled at this statement. And she kept pondering, what kind of salutation or what kind of greeting is this? 
And if we were to take the time and, and drill down on that, that hail-favored one, I mean, that's like the highest compliment, highest spiritual compliment you could ever give to anyone. By the way, it's given to us in Ephesians 1. We're called favored ones in Ephesians 1 after we've trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. So that's pretty cool. But, but here is Mary, and she is in this, this uncertain time seeing this angel Fear grips her. And what does the angel say? Look at verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And he goes on to tell her the rest of the story. You're going to have a child. And that child is going to become the Messiah. That's exhibit two. Look at the third one. Now, we're not going to take the time to turn over to it because he's not, his story is not told in, Ma- in Luke. It's told over in Matthew. But if we were to take the time to go over to Matthew chapter 1 and read what it says there, we all know this story. Joseph. Okay, Joseph, he's, he's a little bit older than Mary, so maybe he's like 20, 21. Mary's probably 16, 17, 15, somewhere early. That's about the age that... Young women got married at that time. But Joseph, he's, he's, he's a little bit older, but still pretty young. And what does he find out? He finds out that Mary is pregnant. They're engaged, but he finds out she's pregnant. Well, I don't know whether Matthew uses it, but actually I would think that if he had, we wouldn't be surprised. Matt, Joseph would have been troubled or terrified at this uncertain message that his fiance is pregnant. And the angel appears to him. And what does the angel say? Fear not. And then he goes on to explain what's going on with Mary and how Joseph is supposed to take her and make her his wife. And he was raised. To, uh, to be that surrogate father, that adoptive father to the Messiah. So we got Zacharias, we got Mary, we got Joseph. One more I want you to think about. And then I'm going to try to net it all out. The shepherds. Now this happened after Christ was born. Look over in chapter 2. You know the story. The angels come. The angel comes and appears to the shepherds. And what happens to the shepherds? Look at verse 9. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. They were troubled. They were scared. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. And then you know the rest of the story. Go, go check this out. There's a baby in a manger. He's Messiah. He's Christ the Lord. Okay, what is it that Zacharias and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds all had in common? 
They all heard that word from the angels. Fear not. Fear not. That's what the angel said to Zacharias in the temple. Fear not. Do not be afraid. That's what the angel said. To, that's what Gabriel said to Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary. That's what he said to Joseph. Do not be afraid. That's what he said to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. Now, let me just pause and make a couple observations here, okay? Here's the deal. In uncertain times, our first reaction is often fear. It's just human. And, you know, I'm really glad in all of the four of those instances, no one was chided, no one was rebuked, for being afraid. It's almost like God sees us as he created us and he knows that our first reaction often to uncertain times is fear. You get called into that office and three minutes later you're unemployed. You bet you're going to fear that situation. That's a fearful situation. You fear financial collapse. I don't know anyone that wants to just go head first diving into bankruptcy and say, I got that covered. I can handle it. I don't know anyone that goes into a relationship and, and there's vulnerable things that happen within that relationship that it doesn't put the fear of God inside of you. I mean, fear is just a part of life, isn't it? In fact, the person that doesn't fear or that, that doesn't feel fear is, is probably a little off, probably isn't seeing reality. I mean, as finite human beings, fear is a regular part of our life. And I just wanted to point that out. I mean, Zacharias was a good man. Mary, obviously, is a great woman. Joseph, obviously, is a great guy. The shepherds, I mean... They seemed to be people that, that were honorable and respectable. And yet every one of them, when they got into an uncertain situation, when they didn't know what was beyond that situation, what was beyond that doctor's appointment, what was beyond that financial statement, what was beyond that relationship that just was looking like it's all stressed, they were fearful. And I don't know, there's hardly anyone today that isn't, you know, kind of paying attention to where the world's moving that doesn't occasionally sit and say, these are uncertain times. And it's a little, I mean, what is it going to be like five years from now? Because we know what it was like five years ago, and it was, it was a completely different world. You know, my goodness, that's what my grandkids are going to be, uh, be raised in? This, this is the kind of economy I'm trying to figure out how to thrive in, prepare for retirement in, try to get my kids through college in, try to scrounge up enough so we could actually buy a house in. I mean, these are fearful times. And yet it is normal for us as humans to feel that fear. But here, look at the next observation. In uncertain times, God's first words to us are often, fear not. Did you see that? That's the first thing Gabriel said to Mary. 
That's the first thing Gabriel said to Joseph. It's the first, it's the first thing Gabriel said to Zacharias. It's the first thing, whatever angel it was, we don't know whether it was Gabriel or not, said to the shepherd, fear not. But I want you to think, of, I want you to look at this a little bit closer, okay? You know, when our kids are being raised, they'd start crying. And what did I do? You know, it was kind of the, you know, guy that doesn't have a lot of emotional uh, intelligence. Quit crying. Just quit crying. Just stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. You know, quit crying. I don't care why you're crying. Just quit crying. You know, we got to calm down and keep the image here. You know, that's not what God is saying. God's not just saying, quit, quit being afraid. Stop that. Just stop that. Just don't be afraid. Every one of these situations, and this is what God says to you too, and I love it that he says it to me. It's not fear not. Look at the screen. It's fear not for. And in every one of those situations, God was saying, Zacharias, fear not for. Here's what I'm going to do in your life. Zacharias, I have saved you and Elizabeth, your godly, godly, godly people, and I've got one assignment primarily for you. You are going to raise the man who is going to introduce the world, who is going to introduce my son to the world, John the Baptist. Mary, I mean, think about it. Honestly, was there anyone in all of history given a more important task, a greater task, a, a, dare I say, a more significant task than Mary? And my goodness, she's maybe only 15 or 16 years old at the time. Mary, you are going to raise the Son of God. I mean, you're going to have him inside of you for the next nine months, and then you are going to be his mother for the next 35 years. You're the one that's going to feed him. You're the one that is going to change his diapers. You're the one that is going to listen to him cry when he's requesting a change of diaper or some more food. Mary, you're, you're, you're going to have the closest personal, physical relationship to the Son of God that anyone will ever have. Now, you up for it? Of course she would be fearful. But God was telling her, I've got it all under control. Mary, fear not because, fear not for, here's what I'm doing. I'm doing this in your life. Joseph, same thing. Joseph, you get to be the adoptive dad to the Son of God. Joseph, you're the one who has to raise this person that knows a lot more. Every son thinks they know more than their dad. This son actually does know more than his dad. You're going to be the one that loses your temper, not the son. You're going to be the one that says things you shouldn't say, not the son. He's going to be mildly rebuking you, not you mildly rebuking him. And if you ever do, you're wrong. But, but fear not. I've got this handle. Fear not 
for. And see, that's what God says to you. That's what God says to me. I mean, in uncertain times, it's really normal for us to get afraid, to worry about what's on the other side of, you know, that next month when unemployment comes or what comes after that next doctor's appointment or what happens after this, this relationship really is ended. How am I going to handle it? And God says, you don't need to be afraid. I've got this. For I am doing an incredible work for my kingdom. That's what God is saying here. You know, if you got your Bible, I want you to turn with me back to one more passage. Turn over to Isaiah 43. Kind of the same theme but obviously still not, but it's not a, a, a Christmas passage. But it's got this great truth that we've just been talking about that, that I don't need to be afraid, you don't need to be afraid, because God has this. I love Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verse 1 says this, But now, thus says the Lord, your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. And here he's quoting God. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. What is God saying? He's saying, fear not. Fear not. Let me, let me just make two observations. I made two observations off of those four people we looked at. Our first reaction is often fear. God's first response is often fear not, for I've got something for you. God meets us in that moment of fear. What do you get out of this passage that talks about fear not? Here's one for you. We're never promised easy times. We're just promised protection in those hard times. Look at verse 2. When you pass through the waters. He didn't say, I'm going to lead you in paths where you're never going to have to cross through a river. You're never going to have to go through the Red Sea. You're never going to have to go through some turbulent rapids. He didn't say that. But he did say, I'm going to be with you. I am going to protect you. It's when you walk through the fire. It is when these bad things happen to you. You're living in a fallen world. I'm living in a fallen world. We're living in a world that just regularly creates uncertainty. We're, we're living in a world when we are constantly blinded by the end of the story that Jesus wins and God has everything in control. We, we, we don't see that. Sometimes the, the, just the chaos and darkness of life just eclipses that from us. And so we can't hardly see past our nose and 
I mean, of course we're going to be fearful. And so we're going to walk through tough times. But what is God's promise? God says, fear not. I'm protecting you. I will be with you when you walk through those waters. I mean, you know what? It, you don't know what 2024 is going to bring. You don't know what it's going to bring for you financially. You don't know what it's going to bring for you in terms of your health. You don't know what it's going to bring for you in terms of your relationships. You don't know what it's going to bring for us in terms of just the culture that we're living in or even the nation that we're living in. I mean, anyone that, that's got their, their head up and is paying attention to the details of, of life surrounding us knows we're in really vulnerable times. And if life has changed as much as it has in the last five years, who knows what in the world it's going to look like five years from now. God didn't promise us smooth sailing. He promised us protection in that sailing, in those hard times. But here's, here's one other observation I want to get out of this, and then I'm going to wrap it up. We're never, we're never promised, protect, promised uh, easy times, just protection in those hard times. And something else I see in these passages is that in heaven, we're going to be amazed to see just how much God loves us. Look at the second half of verse 1, Isaiah 43, verse 1. He says, do not fear. Why? For I have redeemed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. Fear not, for I have called you by my name. You are mine. You know, I don't think any of us even come close to having a clue about how absolutely much. God loves us. Well, we all know John 3:16 for God so loved the world, and that kind of seems generic, right? He loves this group. I'm part of the group, so I guess I'm one of those. And then we drill down on some other verses that talks about God loves us and sent his son to be the savior of the world. But here's the truth. God loves you individually. God loves me individually and yeah we are in the midst of a very chaotic time and and we're getting to enjoy you know the Christmas season when we can kind of set that stuff aside but we know that in a week or two life will get back to normal and we'll start seeing this this new normal that we're not so excited about and sometimes it's very troubling Sometimes it's really troubling what God is saying, you don't need to be afraid because I love you. I love you. And if there's anything that illustrates the love of God, it's what we're celebrating today and tomorrow, that God sent his son to be our savior. That is God's incredible gift to you of love. He loves you. Your spouse may fall in and out of love with you. Your spouse may have difficulty showing you that love, demonstrating that love, responding to that love. 
Your kids might. Your parents might. The people of this church might. You, you might be a person that, that really sits and looks at it and says, you know, I don't really honestly think about it much, but when I do, I'm not really sure there's too many people that really even like me, let alone love me. Or there's a bunch of people that just, they say they love me, and they show it by putting up with me, but I can tell they don't like me, and so I'm not really sure they really love me, you know? And, and there, I mean, there are times, and I don't care who you are. You can be in the greatest of situations relationally. You can be in the greatest of situations employment-wise. You can be in the greatest of situations financially. There are times you do not feel loved. But God loves you. And how did he show it? He's redeemed you. How did he redeem you? He sent his son to die on the cross for you. I mean, he, he, he calls us by name. You know, the older I get, the worse I get at remembering people's names, and it's so embarrassing. I'll be talking to them in the lobby, or I'll talk to them around town. In fact, yesterday, Vicki, on our fourth trip to Walmart yesterday, we saw, yeah, four times. Plus, we did Walmart delivery. So we, we were five times customers. And it wasn't because we were, you know, it's just we we're trying to feed people and all these fancy recipes, and we kept forgetting things. But on our fourth trip to Walmart yesterday, we saw someone, and she said hi to us. And then Vicky's whispering to me, who is that? I don't know who that is. Who is that? I don't know who that is. You know who it was, by the way? For those of you that have been around for a while, it was Regina Holloway's sister. She's, Regina's doing great, and it was so fun to catch up with her. But anyway, where's that? I still don't even know the lady's name, but it's Regina's sister. God knows your name. He knows my name. There isn't anything that communicates love more when someone says your name. God knows my name. He knows your name. He's redeemed you. He knows your name. And best of all, look at the last of that. He says, you're mine. You may not feel like you're your families. You may not feel like you're your spouses. You may not feel like you're this community's. You may not even feel like you're this church's. But you know what? You are God's. He loves you. And he sent his son to die for you. What's the message today? FNF. FNF. Fear not. For God's got it all under control. Let's pray to you. Lord, I want to thank you for the time to just think a little bit about what you communicated to us and how you arranged Christ's birth. Father, I thank you for the honesty of Scripture that those people that were obviously a cut above still found a lot of fear in those uncertain situations. And I pray, Father, that today we would uh, we just grab onto that truth, uh, grab onto that hope that we have. We don't need to fear because you have it. Fear not, for behold, you are doing great things. 
I thank you, Lord, for that message today, and I pray that it would be ours. And now, Lord, as we, uh, as we just begin to celebrate what uh, you accomplished or began to accomplish uh, on, through the birth of Jesus Christ, we pray, Father, that our hearts and minds would be very, very encouraged and that we would truly praise Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's stand together.